Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is episode 166. It is also part two of my interview with comedy writer Jay Kogan. Now, last week we talked a lot about the birth of The Simpsons, also how he broke into the business, some insights into Gary Shandling and his comedy background. And this week we talk about Frasier, Malcolm in the Middle. He won an Emmy for Frasier. We talk about today's sitcoms, Brian Cranston, Seinfeld, his celebrity-packed chat group. This was before Facebook. It's very interesting. I was part of this, and it included such luminaries as Carrie Fisher. You know, I would just be trading Beaumonts with Carrie Fisher. Anyway, we start with a discussion about the writers of The Simpsons. That's this week, part two, Jay Kogan on Hollywood and Levine. There were some great writers on that show, and it's still pretty amazing how that show is now in its 93rd year, and uh, it's still very funny. But I look at like people like George Meyer, who was on that show. I mean, there was just some amazing people. George, I'm geniuses. George yeah. is a genius. John Vitti is a genius. Uh, Al Jean's a genius. Mike Reese is a genius. All those guys are geniuses. And again, Matt Groening, he has an influence. I'm not... Again, this is <laughs> new. his influence on the show has something... He still has a voice in that show and whatever it is and whatever it was is because of Matt Groening. It really... He has something to do with it. And he's a genius too. In, absolutely. In his own right. He's not a genius... Writer, comedy writer in right. the traditional sense, but he has a vision, and it's and it's carried out in the show. So that or at least it was. He set that agenda, and so that's part of it too. But yeah, we've had. I mean, John Schwartzwelder is the one of the most interesting characters, and I, online, I get more questions about John Schwartzwelder than anybody. They he, they approach him like he's J.D. Salinger, that he's a mystery, that he can't uh, be solved. Who is he, and where's he doing? It's like he's in Van Nuys. He's <laughs> he's available. He, you know, if you want to see him, he's at he's at uh, Corky's in Van Nuys. Right. You know, so, but everybody thinks ah, he's uh, you know he's hiding. He's not in hiding. Was Conan there when you were there? Conan came. Uh, yeah, Conan came. I actually uh, bought him, uh, helped him get his first computer, and set him up as a, in his office. And yeah, he was a uh, 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 fireball. He was a. Uh, 
He was the second youngest guy on the staff. It was, I was the youngest. He was the second youngest guy on the staff. And he was full of energy, and he would not stop talking. He would not stop pitching jokes, and, uh-huh. uh, b- both about the show and not about the show. Right. Yeah. He right. Was, and, and so at a certain point, people would, uh, who knew him better than I did would tell him to shut up. <laughs> but, oh, oh, but genius and fabulous. And still to this day, we're very good friends. How long were you with The Simpsons? We were there for five seasons. And then we said, how long could this last? <laughs> and, then we, <laughs> and then we bailed. Like, oh, this is not going to go. Oh, come on. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Do you still watch it? Every now and then I do. Yeah. When, there's a, when somebody reminds me, when, when Matt Selman says, there's a show. You got to watch this show. Or my, one of my buddies or Al Jean or John Frank or somebody says, watch this. By the way, Matt Selman, who wasn't there when I was there, has been on the show for 25 years. <laughs> been on the mm. much longer than I was. But I do watch it and I like it. I think it's really funny, and I think that people shit on it because it's not as good as they say. It's not as good as it was at the beginning, and I say that's bullshit. I think that people don't that that if you compare apples to apples, it's just as funny as it was. I think people have gotten used to, um, you know, nothing nothing will seem as fresh. That's the thing. You it's know. so much harder now yeah. because when we were doing it early on in the run. Yeah. You could go anywhere. Everything was new. Everything was different. Exactly. Uh, it was it was great. Right. And now it's like, well, we did that uh, season thirty nine. We did that season sixty four. We did that season thirty eight. Uh, yeah, it's got to be so much tougher now. Yeah, I mean it's really hard. And and uh, but I think that the, every show I watch, every single show I watch, makes me laugh out loud a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. I know. Especially yeah. now. And, and, There's and, not a lot of great comedy. It almost seems like uh, when my partner David Isaacs and I were talking about it, he said it's almost like animation is the new sitcom. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, one of the reasons why maybe that's true is because your suspension of disbelief with animation is a lot easier than your suspension of disbelief of real people talking. Mm-hmm. And sitcoms are now 20 19 minutes long. I mean, some yeah. crazy short period of time. So you can't really tell a good story. Everything seems more full of shit. Like there's, it's, it's even like shows like the Connors that are supposed to feel real. Don't feel real because they're so truncated and so short. And uh, you, you feel like you're watching something predictable or uh, just there's a, there's a patina of fake about it all. Right. And at least cartoons, uh, the patina of fake is very upfront. Yeah, I know my, my daughter and, and her partner are working on this new Wanda Sykes show for Netflix. Yeah. And they say, yeah, it's, you know, around 30 minutes. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, so if it goes 28 minutes right. or it goes 27 minutes, you know, God forbid it goes 31 but, yeah, uh, it's so tough when you have, if they say 19 minutes and 11 seconds, that's a hard out. Right. You know, you can't give them 20 minutes and four seconds. You can't give them 19 minutes and 28 seconds. You can, but then you still have to cut the 19-minute, 11-second version for the next reruns. Right. If in any other version. You can do that once if you get the network's permission, and then you have to maybe make it up on some other by somebody's time because that's money that they're selling. That's commercial time, right? But, exactly. But we've done it. I've done it. And, and we'll call the, the network saying, can I please have 30 seconds more? And they go, okay. And, but then they'll, they'll make me have a, another cut. 
that goes to time. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you worked a lot on, on sitcoms. Um, Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. You know. That was a great show. Uh, I really enjoyed that show. I love that show, too. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what that was like working on that show. Well, that was a really interesting experience for me because um, – Linwood Boomer is a really interesting guy. He's a genius in his own uh, right. Isn't that a great name, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> Linwood Boomer. That's his name. Yeah. And I know it is That's his, his name. name. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fascinating things about that show, if, if you've watched that show, is it always takes several turns that you do not see coming. Nothing about the show. And it was really hard to sort of pitch stories on that show because it, the the twists could only be thought of really by Linwood. You sort of would give a platform of an idea of a show and where it would start, and then your idea of where it would take its left turn or right turn or something like that, and then Linwood would say, no, 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 here's the other the turn. And the turn would be so out of the blue that it would make no sense to you at all, but it would make total sense to Linwood, and he would sort of guide you through it to make it make sense, and it was great. It was always great, but it was so individualized and so coming out of his voice that made it special and made it, it you know, he it was Malcolm in the Middle. He was the kid in the middle, tortured by his brothers from, you know, really tough parents and all that kind of So he, he it was easy for him to say, this is what this show is about and this is what the show stands for. You know, I didn't meet with quite as much hatred from my family <laughs> as he did. So he had a much better idea of what it was like to be that, that character. He had a great cast, Jane Kaczmarek and Brian Cranston. Did you have any idea back then that Brian Cranston would turn into Brian Cranston? Well, I will say that I didn't know that he'd become this dramatic, uh, amazing, dramatic actor that everybody would love. But I did know that he was an amazing, dramatic actor. And I also did know that he was uh, a an amazing performer and that he could do anything. And that he was one of those people that if you gave him an assignment, gave him, say, next week you'll be on a pogo stick for seven days straight, he would not moan he would say when can i start and when can i he poured his heart into everything and that kind of energy and that kind of excitement translated to us as just a dream mm-hmm. and so that was he had spent a long time floundering in show business trying to make a living and make a life and when he got a a show that he could land on he was so grateful and got so happy that he was a dream and that that was wonderful and 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 he 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 came through. He performed. He wasn't just excited right. to be there. He delivered. He delivered drama. He delivered comedy. He delivered, you know, physicality. He could do anything. So we knew that was potentially in there. We just didn't know anybody would give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, who the hell knew that they would be starring in, a, in the, one of the greatest dramas of all time? Right. And we had Jane in our ill-fated series, Big Wave Days. Right. Loved her. Right. And... We're huge fans of, right. of Jane. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and she was cast. she was good. Too. She was good too, and she was a, a different kind of performer, and she approached her material differently than than Cranston. But you know, she was just as committed and just as you know and, and strong, and and you know, her character was was less bright and cheery. So right. she was, yeah, that was just the character. So Right. And you bounced around um, other shows, Ned and Stacy, and you wound up on Frasier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Frasier is a, it was an interesting writing room because oh. most writing rooms tend to be 
loud and right. boisterous, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of tumul, as those right. Jewish people say. And the Fraser Room was always very quiet, and it kind of drove me crazy. And kind of knowing you and your personality must have driven you out of your mind. Well, I committed very early to getting fired. Like, uh-huh. I really did. I just said, <laughs> they're either going to like me or they're going to fire me very quickly. Because I said, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to make a lot of jokes. I'm going to be irreverent. I'm going to be gross. I'm going to be silly. Like, they, they ate on china plates and they sort mm-hmm. of considered themselves sophisticated. And, you know, it was a very wise. Very no coward yeah. writing a sitcom. And, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And I brought in fart machines. I don't know if you remember. I did. I brought <laughs> yeah. in fart machines and all, like kind of low class, low brow, uh, silly jokes. Um, I was, it was not above any sort of. Uh, shenanigans, and I was. Why also, did they hire you? That's a great question. I don't. They tried to hire me twice. Um, I, I turned them down once, and uh, at first, uh, when I got a, an offer to, I got out of a development deal, uh, and my first offers from, uh, and when and Wally quit writing TV, so I was a single, okay. and I and then, and and I wrote a spec. News radio, and they started working for news radio, and they said, okay, well, well, you can work. I got an offer to work at Seinfeld, Frasier, wow. or The Single Guy. Uh-huh. And The Single Guy came with a, a, a penalty, a put pilot penalty. And since I'd had such trouble getting my pilots made in my development, my previous development, okay. I said, okay, well, that sounds good. The put pilot penalty... I'll take the single guy. And NBC, the president of NBC at the time was Jamie Tarsus. And she said, I promise you, this is the right decision. So I was there for a year at the single guy. Was and Jonathan Silverman? Jonathan Silverman. Right. It was not the right decision. <laughs> uh, and then and they reneged on their put pilot and everything else. Really? Yes, not oh, shockingly. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, knocked me over with a feather. I know. Yeah. Well, I was a young, naive young man back, back then. But uh, So then, so I told no to uh, Larry David and told no to the, the guys at the Frasier people. And I apologized to them profusely and said, I feel like they, they NBC is asking me to go here and it's your network so you understand and then I quit that show after one year of misery and then um, did it go more than one year? it went two years yes did it really? wow um, and not because it, I wasn't miserable because of the people there the, Jonathan Silverman's great and I got to meet Ernest Borgnine, and Brad Hall ran the show that he wanted to. I was just wrong for that place. Mm-hmm. They didn't need me. Mm-hmm. Brad Hall wanted to run a show uh, that was a, about a kind of slice of life kind of show, and he didn't. It wasn't my kind of thing, and he didn't need me to run his help him run his slice of life show. Okay, and I was like co-exec. I was like the number two guy or something like that. And it's like I'm not the right guy for here, so I left. Uh, on very good terms with all those people. And, and then, and luckily enough, the next year, I got offers again from Frazier and Seinfeld to come back to those two places. Uh-huh. And the choices were, I'm coming off of the, kind of off of the Simpsons, a Simpsons development deal, and then this kind of choice. Right. And I thought, well, Seinfeld's like the Simpsons. It's broad, it's funny, it's great, it's popular. But Frazier is a whole other... You know, whole other thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's smart. It's sophisticated. It sort of gives me a whole other color if I go work there. So I picked Frasier. Yeah, That's a good choice. Yeah, but it probably was a real adjustment in kind of writing that 
kind of show that was much more grounded yeah, than the was. kinds of shows. And I loved it. It was yeah. great. It was really like writing theater. It was like going back to sort of writing a play and writing things in you know, in long acts. And it was the opposite of The Simpsons where, you know, just scene, 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 scene. Right. It was a little bit more like Tracy Ullman, except trying to carry on a whole uh, uh, show. And, you know, also, you're not alone, man. I mean, that room was the greatest room of all time. I, we had, I would write, you know, I would come to write the notes for my outline with pages of genius material that was, you know, pitched by people like you and, and, uh, uh, you know, the greatest writers of all time sitting around and just riffing on stuff. And then, and, and Chris Lloyd, Chris Lloyd. Uh-huh. you know, uh, you know, putting it all together and making it sing. And it's, it's just, it was, I was just lucky to be there. I, you know, I, I felt more like I was a writer's assistant putting notes together. Mm-hmm. And then when I put the outline out and I would get notes from David Lloyd and all, all these amazing people. And then I would write my draft. And then they turn in the draft, and then some of it would survive, and then <laughs> they'd make the show, and that would be great. Um, you know, so I got the more I did that, the better I feel like I got their voice and was able to work on that. But I'm pretty good. I will say this about me uh, I'm pretty good at switching my voice and making, hearing the voice of the show. And, and that's what you got to do. Yeah. That's what you got to do. If, if every show that you write sounds just like you, it's yeah. it's just not not going to work. You wrote one of the classic episodes, the Merry Christmas Mrs. Moskowitz. I did episode. I did. I take I take great joy in having my name on it. But I also say to everyone all the time that is that was definitely a gigantic group effort, and mainly Chris Lloyd. I mean that whole the story that was that was uh-huh. produced was. Uh, a Chris Lloyd special, you know how you know the, right. the farce, the farce mm-hmm. of things, people walking in and people walking out, and you know I, I was part of it, but it wasn't that was right. That was the he, room. he really, he and Joe Keenan right. really embraced that whole notion of farces, yeah. and so yeah. it was it was a great funny that I added mine to it, and I, and I got a little sacrilegious at a certain point. So uh, I, even I think I've offended David Lloyd at a certain what? point. What? You offended da- Somebody <laughs> offended David Lloyd? Yes. <laughs> Was that even possible? I think I wrote a joke about why hast thou forsaken me, some version of uh, Niles talking to his father about why hast thou forsaken me. And it's, oh, that's too far. Uh-huh. Um, so I took it out of the script. But, wow! Yeah. Wow! Well, you won an Emmy for that. I did. I was lucky enough to win an Emmy for that. And again, when I when I thanked the world for it, I thanked the the, the writing staff that actually helped make it all together. <laughs> you also created a few shows uh, on your own. Yeah, I mean, the, really, the one the one that that uh, stuck was Wendell and Vinny, and that was a. a, a is it joy. Nick at Night? Yeah, it was supposed to be Nick at Night, and then they put it on Nick at Day, and then kids apparently did not did uh-huh. not want to watch three young single people dating uh, and uh, and a young orphan boy. <laughs> they, they, they were more interested in kid shows and not this other one. But yeah, it was it was a fun show that was uh, uh, in about my life at the time, sort of. It was about me and my relationship with my son. It was about a guy, sort of an idiot guy like me, uh, having a genius son. And what it would be like. And I used to be a genius. When I was a kid, I was a, I was a genius. Like, like on paper, people thought I would, they were going to send me to a genius school. Okay. Over time, 
<laughs> I lost the genius part. Uh-huh. I just became a normal idiot. Uh-huh. I don't know what that was. I, mean, I must have taken the test well, but clearly I didn't live up to that potential. <laughs> but I had a real genius son, and so I had to figure out, what, what do I do with this kid that doesn't ruin him? So that was really what the show was about. What do you do with a kid who's great and fabulous and gifted, and, and all you can do is maybe ruin him? And what are you doing now? I'm writing pilots and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do with my life and, and <laughs> watching. I'm uh, dealing with an empty nest at home uh-huh. and my son went off to college. So I have. Is he still a genius? He really is. Okay. He's a real genius. And he's also a musical genius and he's also a, a writing genius. He wrote and pl- has written plays and, and they're very good. Uh, and so he may be a comedy writer yet. So if there's still a business to go into when it's all done. Uh, so I don't know what he'll, what he'll be and what he'll do, but, but he's, he really is really smart. And more than that, he's a sweet, sweet kid. I mean, that's the thing. Our, our kids are sweet kids. And yeah. That's uh, everything. So Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, before I let you go, I want to talk about something that you had organized years ago that was great. It almost seems like the infancy of the Internet. It was. When uh, you put together like a chat group called The Stump. Right. And, man, everybody was was on that uh you know carrie fisher yep was on that and craig bierko mm. and ryan reynolds ryan reynolds <laughs> yes. uh and coulter for one night yes for a little while <laughs> and then everybody buried her yes but uh that was how did you organize that well I how have, do you know all those people i have a pretty good rolodex i know a lot of people <laughs> and and i wanted to sort of uh provide a place where we could have jokes and sort of have a have a shielded place where we could talk and people could say horrible, horrible, mean things without it being uh, perceived by the entire world. Right. That and you would, had to be invited yes. to the stump. Yeah. You had to be invited and you had to agree that anything that people wrote belonged to them, that right. it wouldn't get reprinted by anyone anywhere. And then you can just... And, 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 and people wound up... What they do in every chat room, everywhere, they wind up fighting with each other for no reason at all, <laughs> uh, which is ridiculous. Everybody's so quick to be offended, and that's one of the reasons why it, it imploded on itself. But, but yes, we were, it was very interesting. It was before Facebook, but it kind of – Facebook became very popular, I noticed, because what the stump didn't do and what Facebook does, Facebook allows you to pick and choose who your friends are. My – the stump – Right. I provided a group of people that were not your friends. <laughs> yeah, no, there were a couple of people who were just like uh, villains. Yes, <laughs> who no. were trying to annoy you purposely. Right. They were trolls. Some Be- AJ guy. Right, AJ yeah. Seagal was a troll before the word existed. And right. he would go and he'd attack you, or, or Gary Shapiro would attack you, or Gavin Pallone would attack you. And it's like they were there to attack you. And so people would would come to the stump not knowing what would happen. They would say hello and get immediately attacked and run away. <laughs> uh, but the, then other people had the strength and the wherewithal to realize it's stupid and they would stay and fight back and it was good. So it's an interesting, it was an interesting dynamic and truly one that became sort of uh, 
it's what the internet is now. It's exactly what people do on the on Twitter um, now. And so I'm, I was social media. Yeah, it's what social media became. Uh, had but I only, this time with Martha Plimpton and right. uh, you know and Carrie he, Fisher. I became friends with Carrie Fisher yeah. based on. Based on the stump, people were really funny on the stump too. They oh, were they really were really hysterical and really smart things and really in- interesting things. And occasionally, like if there was a, a tragedy in the world, people would write amazing things about that tragedy or tragedy in their lives. People would be great and and articulate. And there's so many great writers. And it was it was a special moment in time and like it preserved a little bit in amber. But it doesn't it doesn't exist anymore. It's sort of like an Algonquin round table briefly, right? Filled with spite and hate. <laughs> well, I guess the Algonquin Roundtable was too. But, oh, I'm sure yeah. it was, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I remember I was surprised. I know he's a good actor. I've always enjoyed him as an actor, Craig Bierko. Yeah. Really funny Yeah, writer. really smart. Really smart. Yeah. Really, really funny. Yeah, well, Stephen Weber too. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't know that Stephen Weber is really funny. People don't realize that Josh Moline is very funny. People don't realize how intellectually strong some of these actors are. We, we diminish them because we think they're actors. But, <laughs> but really, they're really bright and funny and interesting people too. Does the text of any of that still live somewhere? I have it in hard drives and places but uh-huh. I've, I'm not doing anything with it it belongs to other people all that stuff belongs to the writers who wrote them and you know I'm, I'm content with thinking that it just was a moment in time and it will die out with, uh, with, with those hard drives right but it was it was amazing to write something and Terry Garr yeah you know responds to me yeah you know or Carrie Fisher Responds to me. It was amazing like, to me wow. too. It was amazing wow. to me too that everybody wanted to reach out. That, that, that there was a, still that 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 Facebook thing of wanting to be connected to people, and it was easy to be connected to people through the stump because it was you know in your living room. And uh, again, you know, smarter people than me monetized that and became billionaires. <laughs> um, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. I was <laughs> stupid. I could have done something with it, but I'm not that smart. Great. Uh, Jay, thank you so much. This has really been fun. Thanks for having me. This is great to be on. No uh, parting gifts. Hollywood and Levine. No parting gifts? No parting gifts, none. Now, I'll take you to lunch. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, bud. Thank you. And there you have it, my two-part interview with Jay Kogan. Fun guy, isn't he? (laughs) Lots of laughs. Certainly a great guy to have lunch with. Anyway, our thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. And I have an email address if you want to get in touch, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm on Twitter, who isn't, at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Thank you for listening. Back next week with more. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.